Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. It is mind-blowing and heartbreaking how many original scripts are written every year but are never made. So we seek out these scripts and bring them to life with full audio production and professional actors. Check us out at Undiscover Scripts. Movies made of paper. Wherever you get your podcasts. Free! vacation time coming after working all year down at big roy's eating and plumbing so one night when all right matt we have come to the end of uhf and i believe i mean nature trail to hell is like a five minute song but i think that this is truly kind of the beginning of what would become a trend in the late 90s and throughout al's career of ending his albums with these epic length songs <laughs> yeah yeah like, this is definitely a, a real uh well i believe at this point in his career this is the longest song he has ever done yeah um and it still remains one of the longest songs he's ever done yeah um, this this walks so that albuquerque could run a decade later <laughs> it's very very true yeah yeah exactly you're right like nature trail to hell is a pretty epic closer but this is epic in a different way yeah because you this go- is like a, an american epic yeah, well, because you go into this song and then, or like I said, you go into this song and then 10 years later we get Albuquerque. Mm-hmm. And I think Albuquerque is kind of the the true start of this becoming a reoccurring way that he wraps up his albums. Because Albuquerque is followed by Poodle Hat that yes. has, um, is that Genius in France? Genius yeah. in France. Genius in France, which is like an eight minute Frank Zappa send up. Mm-hmm. Straight out of Linwood wraps up with, I'm scrolling through here to see just to trapped confirm. in the drive-through. No, oh, no, don't download a, this. Don't song. download this song. I forgot. Trapped in the drive-through right. and down. Don't download the song. Now, don't download this song is only four minutes, but it has a similar epic, like it's a, it's an anthem. Yeah, it's yeah. it's intended to sound like something big and important. And then I think Al Alpocalypse has stopped forwarding that crap to me. Also, a similar to don't download this song type of epic. Yeah, which is. Again, like a six-minute-long song mm-hmm. written in the style of uh, Jim Steinbeck, and then I don't think it happens on Mandatory Fun. I think Mandatory no, Fun. Mandatory Fun ends with Jackson Park oh, Express. Oh yeah, Jackson Park Express, which is probably the closest song that you could compare this to. That's right. Um, and I, you know what? I'm going to bring up something right now. Actually, let's do it. If you look up "Biggest Ball of Twine" in Minnesota, mm-hmm. it will say that it is a style parody of Harry Chapin. And if you look up Jackson Park Expressway, it'll say it's a style parody of Cat Stevens. I think those need to be swapped. Okay. Jackson Park Express is almost note for note the song Taxi by by Harry Chapin. Harry Chapin. 
This well, feels like a Cat Stevens song to me way more. Let me expand on that while also addressing something very controversial that we talked about last week. Okay. Which is that the closest reference that I have found to this song is that this song is a, it is a style parody. It is not a direct parody. But if you want to hear what I think the most likely singular references for this track, it is a song called, a song by Harry Chapin that is called 30,000 Pounds of Bananas. It was just after dark when the truck started down the hill that leads into Scranton, Pennsylvania, carrying 30,000 pounds. Oh, okay. So bananas is the fruit that you will not. Now do. I am here to tell you guys. Just be totally honest. I hate bananas, Matt. I have something I, very exciting to tell you. <laughs> I also, I mean, I I have maybe accidentally eaten a banana pancake while not realizing it, and and pushed forward on it. Uh-huh. I also do not get the appeal of bananas at all. Yes, I said appeal <laughs> while talking about <laughs> bananas. But yeah, not a banana fan. Give me some uh, peaches and apples and and plums and pears all day, but keep yeah, those it, goddamn apple uh, bananas away from me. It is a uh, uh, everyone in the band, everyone who's ever been in the band or who has traveled with me knows it is very very. Yeah, uh, it's the smell that makes me instantly feel sick. Yes, uh, I hate it so much. Um, I as politely as I can request that there not be any bananas on our tour bus or in the van or in the dressing room. I don't really care what people eat. I just don't want to see it or smell it. I'm really, yeah, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I'm really sharing something deep about myself with you all today. This is the pull that comes from being the second most tenure member of a band. For for many, (laughs) many years, for many years, I actually didn't want to tell people this about me because I was so nervous, especially as a teenager, because it happened to me a couple times that people knowing this just meant that they were going to use it against me. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. And uh, I had, you know, a couple of people found out and then started like walking towards me holding bananas. And I just was like, this isn't, I, I you know, no, that's cruel. No, I would this never, is, this could... is not funny. No, it's not I, a joke. I, <laughs> banana flavored stuff is disgusting to me. Like all of it's, you know, I am actually, yeah. there is nothing that I find weird about this. I thought, that you were going to say pickles because they talk about oh. pickled wieners a whole lot in this. And they I'm do. also they do. very anti-pickle. So that's the connection. Now you guys know this thing about me. We're all very close. We've gotten to know each other very well. And that's why I trust you guys with this very, very private information. Yeah, This is like but, a nuclear. Oh, my God. This is yeah, I'm life. giving away. I'm giving away my <laughs> nuclear codes, because if you if you show up with a banana, it's going to go down. It will it's be the only problem. you will be the first person ever physically removed from a weed show. It's going to be brutal. It's going to be brutal. <laughs> but anyway, I would recommend and uh, maybe like a small snippet of it. Maybe you can insert it, Matt. But if not, people go and listen to. 30,000 pounds of bananas. The structure of the song is almost exactly the same. And it has that same like doom, 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 like that kind of like walking yeah. very like it, it is really, really close. So maybe he just hit Harry Chapin more than once. More than uh, once. It's yeah, entirely are you, possible. Are you familiar with the song Taxi? I believe it was one of his. Hi- I mean, it obviously wasn't his highest charting song because Cats in the Cradle exists. But yeah, I, think I don't it was- immediately recognize that. I, I don't know it by name. It's literally a song written from the perspective of a taxi cab driver talking mm-hmm. about his route, which is why, to me, that's Jackson Park Express. Right, like, right, like, right, right. 
at its core. And I mean, I'm just also, like I said, I am a massive Cat Stevens fan. Like, yes. massive Cat Stevens fan. So I feel like if it was a direct Cat Stevens reference, I would have been like, oh, this is pulling from like this song or this song. But that's not the case. In fact, it wasn't until years later when I heard Taxi for the first time because my uncle's band covered it. That I was like, this is Jackson Park Express. <laughs> so, they, yeah, I mean, they both do. And it's funny because this song feels, as much as this feels like an epic in its own way, Jackson Park Express is grandiose in this bigger way. It's got the string section. Like, it's a, yeah. it's a, it's a gorgeous song. I would not describe this song as gorgeous, but they do have that similar thing of like the quirky, uh, like a singer songwriter telling this very long story. <laughs> There's such a weird trend of this from the 70s. Because isn't this also about the time period where you're getting uh, the 70s singer-songwriters? Isn't that where you get like the Alice Restaurant Massacre or whatever it is that like one radio station plays every Thanksgiving? Yep. That's just a rambling story for like 13 minutes. Yeah, no, we were really, I mean, even uh, another song, it doesn't exactly fit this, but, you know, American Pie, which we're going to talk about later, is another like this. People were like, boy, were they really given a lot of space to express themselves. (laughs) It's hard to imagine. I mean, I guess a few years ago, a couple years ago now, there was all the the radio stations were playing that really long uh, version of the Taylor Swift song. And that was like a big deal that it was yeah. like this enormously long song getting radio play. Uh, and that's great. I mean, I, I love it, but yeah, talk about like a moment in time um, where we were, we were more patient, weren't we? Well, I mean, we're talking about in the seventies. That's also when AM radio was kind of more popular than FM True. to a certain extent. True. And you had a lot of album oriented radio too, where it was like, we're just going to play Boston. <laughs> Yeah, in its entirety. Hang out with us for forty minutes while we listen to both sides of this final. To just play it, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) But but for this song to be what it is, which is this like long drawn out story that kind of like it meanders around, and it does fit the vibe of all these songs. But like, what could be more perfect to goof that with than this? What should be a boring ass family road trip? It's (laughs) that he has turned into this like. As he, they're telling it as if it's a saga when nothing happens. It's literally what he is describing is like the boring version of National Lampoon Vacation. That's it. I wrote down <laughs> vacation because it feels so much like that. Yes, exactly. Like, And the comedy in Al's is that there kind of is almost no comedy. Yeah. It's just how <laughs> impressed they are with how boring everything is. Yeah it's, the, yeah, it's the most minor things that delight them. So we talked about this before we hit record. For a song like this, I think the only appropriate thing is we just got to go verse by verse on this and talk about our feelings. Because the music, for the most part, the music's fine, but it doesn't do anything too much where you're like, oh, I need to call out this cool little blank. Yeah. Um, it's very much a lyrics Correct. song over Correct. anything yeah. else. It's generally a groove that repeats, and there's some it, like little moments of chord changes. There's a little like there's some interesting musical moments in here that mostly are because of he's trying to squeeze a lot of lyrics into this. Yeah, there's a a great marker. This is just a little brief music nerd tangent. A great marker of someone who is a lyrical songwriter is that when you try to learn the song, the chord changes are odd times and they don't make sense. And you have these weird, like, like, Oh, that's a measure of five beats. And this is a measure of seven beats. And this one's short. And it's because the lyrics are everything, right? It's not about the song. It's not about the music as much as it's about like telling this story and getting these words out in the, in the way that makes the most sense. Um, 
if you listen to like Johnny Cash songs, uh, Roy Orbison, any of those guys like have incredibly strange musical structure. And it's because they wrote incredible lyrics and they were just like, well, we just got to figure out a way to make these awesome words fit <laughs> in the context of this song. Yeah. And Al does it all over this track in a way that is super, super satisfying if you pay that much attention to it. And if you don't pay that much attention to it, it just feels super smooth and natural. Yeah. All right. So here we go. Verse one. He says, well, I had a two week vacation time coming after working all year down at Big Roy's Heating and Plumbing. So one night when my family and I were gathered around the dinner room, dinner room table, I said, kids, if you could go anywhere in this great big world. Now, where'd you like to go to? And they said, Dad, we want to see the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. They picked the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. <laughs> Nothing right. too crazy in there. We got a nice slant rhyme right out the uh, right out the gate with coming and plumbing. <laughs> I, I did note, apparently, um, someone found there's an amazing thread here. I'm going to try to hit as many of them as I can, but a group of Al fans on a forum way back in the early 2000s uh, dissected this song to an incredible degree and tried to find references to all these places that Al mentions. And apparently there is evidence to indicate that there was indeed a big Royce heating and plumbing, <laughs> which is just, I don't know. I feel good knowing that that's real. That's delightful. That's that is, <laughs> I feel better living my life knowing that. Yes. Um, all right. So then they said, so the very next day we loaded up the car with potato skins and pickled wieners Crossword puzzles, Spider-Man comics, and Mama's homemade rhubarb pie pulled out of the driveway, and the neighbors, they all waved goodbye. And so began our three-day journey. We picked up a guy holding a sign that said, Twine ball or bust. He smelled really bad, and he said his name was Bernie. <laughs> so just <laughs> nonsense here, but loving all of it. Like, it's yes. so ridiculous. Um, the pickled wieners, I think, comes up two more times uh, yes. in this song. Uh, Spider-Man comics getting a nice shout out there. And Bernie will be crucial to the plot of this story uh, as we continue uh, down this demented story. Did yes. the forum have any information for us at this point? Uh, no, not about Bernie specifically. Um, I do love the fact, like, have you ever had rhubarb pie? So here's a funny thing. I have never had rhubarb pie, but as I'm sure you know, and I'm sure many listeners have maybe learned this over time, uh, my favorite band of all time is a band called Five Iron Frenzy. And they yes. had a song on one of their albums called Ugly Day. Mm -hmm. And it's literally like, it's a very catchy, it's a catchy Scott song. And the lyrics are like, ugly days, sun is shining, every cloud's got some silver line. Like, it's a very poppy song. Then they put out a, I don't even know what to call it. It was like 50 tracks, but it was like, half the tracks were like 15 to 20 seconds long. Like, it was just like, they just fucked around and wrote a bunch of silly stuff. And they parodied their own song and rewrote Ugly Day as a song called Rhubarb Pie. And it <laughs> oh, was really? It was Rhubarb Pie in the summer, Rhubarb Pie made by my mother. Wow. <laughs> so that is my first that was my first reference to Rhubarb Pie I ever learned was a parody by Five Heart Frenzy of their own song. <laughs> I I love that. I mean, it's funny, my as I've referenced before, um, my wife is from England 
and uh, I think rhubarb pie and just rhubarb in general is way more common over there. You can find it here, but I, I did not grow up ever having anything with rhubarb in it. And I still joke with her. She will make like apple and rhubarb or strawberry and rhubarb. It's usually in, in desserts and pies and crumbles and stuff like that. And I will joke that like I love it and I've had it many times and it's delicious. But also I still couldn't tell you what it tasted like. I also was going to ask, what even is a rhubarb? It's like a root vegetable. It almost looks like stalks of celery or, or like something like that. Like it's okay. it's it's uh it's st- or shard. Like it has that sort of a thing, and it's a little bit sweet, but it's also mostly like floral and fragrance. Like like um, see again, I really have no idea how to describe it. Like it has like an <laughs> essence that's similar to like hibiscus or, or or something like that. Like very 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 light, which is why it's usually paired with other uh, other fruits because those are sweeter and more like specific. I like the fact that Al referenced rhubarb pie because I think he probably said it in through the lens of it being like the like a dorky, weird, odd choice. Like who would ever (laughs) go out with rhubarb pie in America? But depending on where you live in the world, it might be reasonably common. So I just I wanted to throw that out there, even though I can't tell you anything about rhubarb. I'm I'm a fan and I recommend you check it out. So next verse we jump into, he said, I put in a slim Whitman tape and my wife put on a brand new hairnet. The kids were in the back seat jumping up and down, yelling, are we there yet? And all of us were joined together in one common thought as we rolled down the long and windy interstate in our 53 DeSoto. We're going to see the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. We're heading for the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. First thing that jumps out to me, Slim Whitman. Slim Whitman. If I recall correctly, is that who kills the aliens in Mars Attacks? You are exactly right. (laughs) Slim Whitman, known for his yodeling. They play it in the movie Mars Attacks, and it's what destroys all the aliens. I am so glad that I did not have to research that and that that was just living in my brain. Well done. Well done. Um, uh, but Slim Whitman back in the day also uh, was the touring for many years, the touring opening act for Elvis Presley. Oh, wow. Um, so he he was quite notable for a little while, although always had, you know, like never, never this, never the headliner. You know yeah. what I mean? But like had some success. Yeah. Um, yeah. Otherwise, like you said, we're we're kind of describing just what you would imagine the kids would be like, say, going to Disney World, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's the absurd, over-the-top celebration of something that's very mundane, but I think we're about to get where this song yeah. starts to go off the rails a Again, little bit well, th- more. This family is, they're so quaint. I mean, aside from the fact that they're going to the biggest ball of twine, they're leaving with Slim Whitman records and rhubarb pie. Like, these people could not <laughs> be more. It's a weird combination of, like, because I was just going to describe them as basic, but that's not even fair because it's like, who would do this? Like, like it's not basic. They're weird, incredibly offbeat choices. Um, and and they are just like, again, describing all of this stuff as if it's the most normal thing in the world. It's like, of course, yeah. we're going to go see the biggest ball of twine, but we need our, our Slim Whitman <laughs> tapes. Yeah. Guys, don't you understand? It is the biggest ball of twine. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. So... Oh, we couldn't wait to get there, so we drove straight through for three whole days and nights. Of course, we stopped for more pickled wieners now and then. The scenery was just so pretty. Boy, I wish the kids could have seen it. But you can't see out the side of the car because the windows are completely covered with the decals of all the places where we've been. Let's <laughs> we'll, we'll go into the next verse where he lists all the places they've also lists all been. all the places, actually. yes. 
like Elvis Arama, the Tupperware Museum, the Bullweevil Monument, and Cranberry World, the Shuffleboard Hall of Fame, Poodle Dog Rock, and the Mecca of Albino Squirrels. We've been to ghost towns and steam parks, wax museums, and a place where you can dive through the middle of a tree, drive through the middle of a tree, seen alligator farms and tarantula ranches, but there's one thing we've got to see. <laughs> Which obviously the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. So here's my question for you. On that forum, how many of those things actually exist that he listed? Elvis Arama. Nice. Real. Tupperware Museum? Real. <laughs> the Bull Weevil Monument? Real. Cranberry World? Real. <laughs> Shuffleboard Hall of Fame? Real. Jesus. <laughs> Poodle Dog Rock? Real. The Mecca of Albino Squirrels? Unclear. <laughs> Un- <laughs> uh, apparently, incredibly, according to this reference, uh, it actually could. Apparently, people are not sure it could refer to a couple different places, <laughs> which gives I don't even know what to say to that. But people seem to think it's most likely a place in the town of only Illinois, which describes itself as the home of the white squirrels. Okay. And that's one of their like, um, you know, roadside attraction spots there. Um, OK, only yeah. Illinois. I've never been. But if you're uh, if you're interested, what a um, what a mediocre name for a town. I know. right? <laughs> only Illinois. Uh, I mean, obviously, ghost towns, theme parks and wax museums are all real things. I'm pretty yes. sure I've seen pictures of places where you can drive through like a big ass tree that they I think out. that there's a spot. I mean, it would be. I think it's in California, like part of the yeah the Redwood Forest or the Sequoia National Forest there, that there is a tree that has the the gap in it. I drove through there once, but did not get to do that. And in fact, I did hear, I think that might have actually, something might have happened to that tree, and now they're not letting people do it anymore because it's uh, too dangerous. But that definitely was a thing as well, yes. Um, something I do want to call out here. Uh, I've realized, I did. this is not a thing that maybe 10 years ago I would have claimed, but it's mm-hmm. been true my whole life. I love wax museums. Um, I I don't think I realize that because I've never been to an authentic wax museum. Uh, but one of the first horror movies that I watched as a kid was The House of Wax with Vincent Price. Absolutely like charmed the pants off of me. And <laughs> similarly to how Al's kids in this song make him go to the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota, if my family traveled anywhere that I found out that there was a Ripley's Believe It or Not wax museum that we could stop yep. by. You better believe we were going in there so I could look at wax statues of like the world's tallest man and like the alligator boy. I think it's why I love the first like 10 minutes of House of a Thousand Corpses so much is like I would have 1 billion percent been sucked into everything that is happening in that gas station chicken slash museum of oddities. Agreed, agreed, agreed. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Um, no, that's for sure. I'd be like, oh, this is amazing. We got to check this out. All right, so back into the song. Here we go. We're getting there now. So we crossed the state line about 639, and we saw the sign that said, Twine Ball, exit 50 miles. The kids were so happy, they started singing 99 bottles of beer on the wall for the 70... 70- 27th time of that day so we pulled off the road at the last chance gas station got a few more pickled wieners and a diet chocolate soda on our way to see the biggest ball of twine in minnesota we're going to see the biggest ball of twine in minnesota i do have to say i love how much rhyme is in this with state line 39 sign twine uh 27th time (laughs) 
<laughs> like there's yeah. a lot of cool like uh I, I don't even know what that's even referred to where it's like just rhymes within rhymes within rhymes it's something that you point out a lot with like someone like eminem eminem exactly. will have yeah, like a yeah. ton of quick rhyming words in one sentence a very dense rhyming structure yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. it's true it's true it's it, no it's it's very very satisfying and also I'd be remiss if I did not mention that this is yet another reference to the number 27 yep. in Al's catalog, um, which just will kind of that list is going to grow and grow and grow. But uh, there's a, a hidden number uh, 27. Well, imagine just real quick. Imagine being in a car and a group of children start singing 99 bottles of beer on the wall for the 27th time in three days, in three days. I love that part of this song. The, the premise of this song is No, for is the like, 27th time that day. Oh, that day. Jesus. That day. The other thing that I think was missed, I missed the first time listening to this, is like they are not even stopping for hotels. This is a oh, no, three-day straight drive to yeah. get to this ball of twine. He has two weeks of vacation time. Uh, but they got to <laughs> spend that time at the ball of twine, Matt. They can't like waste time at hotels. Fair. All right. So yeah. you brought up the magic number for Al, yes. which is 27. Yes. The very next sentence, our mutual friends punchline, have their magical number show up. Because yes. finally at 737, yes. <laughs> early Wednesday evening, as the sun was setting in the Minnesota sky, out in the distance, the horizon it appeared to me, like a vision before my unbelieving eyes, we parked the car and walked with all filled reverence towards the glorious, huge, majestic sphere. I was just so overwhelmed by its sheer immensity. I had to pop myself a beer. Yes, on these hollow grounds, open 10 to 8 on weekdays, in a little shrine under a makeshift pagoda. Pagoda. There sits the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. I tell you, it's the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. I didn't intend to do what I just did. But that literally reads like an epic poem. It that, absolutely that does. Verse, like, it, it, it absolutely does. And and yeah, you know, as we said before, they haven't stopped. My God, this man has been driving nonstop. Like he should be able to pop himself a beer at this point. By all means, buddy. Like you, that is, you've really, really put the time in to getting it's, here. It's literally painting you this image of a man that's about to like fall to his knees hands raised in (laughs) front of this ball like it's a religious experience he is having here (laughs) yes uh and then he begins to question things because he says oh what on earth would make a man decide to do that kind of thing oh winding up 21,140 pounds of string was (laughs) what was he trying to prove who was he trying to impress why did he build it how did he do it it's anybody's guess where did he get the twine? Was it go- what was going through his mind? Did it just seem like a good idea at the time? I love this bridge so much. I mean, oh this my- is like, yeah, this is a real. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I was tackling some big questions here, <laughs> right? Like, he, he, this is a real great reflection. And and the thing that I like the most about this little like mini verse or stanza or however we want to describe these is. These are thoughts that someone would have if they showed up and didn't like this as well. Yes. You know what I mean? Like this is anybody who saw this would think that and would be like, but you know, he is doing it through this reverence and just like he, like it's the most beautiful thing he has ever seen. But anybody would just like show up and look at this bowl of twine and be like, why would someone do this? (laughs) 
It's so, it's so um, funny. One other just like uh, factual point to note here, um, winding up 21,140 pounds of string, it is noted that the ball in Darwin is actually just under 18,000 pounds. Wow. A little bit of an exaggeration there from Al in the size of the ball of twine. We just, you know, if I'm, if I'm here for anything, it's to be a fact checker, but just pointing that out. <laughs> uh, so we get to the next verse. Well, we walked up beside it and I warned the kids, now you better not touch it. Those ropes are there for a reason. <laughs> I said, maybe if you're good, I'll tie it to the back of the car and we can take it home. But I was only teasing. Another great slant rhyme. Uh, When we went to the gift shop and stood in line, I bought a souvenir miniature ball of twine, some window decals and anything else they'd sell us. I even bought a couple postcards. Greetings from the twine ball. Wish you were here. Won't the folks back home be jealous? So I have to call out because I think this is my favorite set of lyrics in the whole song it is such a great like he could not be more of a perfect lame dad dorky dad oh my god the dorky dad the the uh i love that you better not touch it those ropes are there for a reason like because that has no rhyme structure at all like that's just dropped like like the way a dad would be like hey hey reason rhymes with teasing later on exactly yeah yeah (laughs) but in that moment it just kind of comes out of nowhere um, and then the whole, like, maybe you're for good. I'll tie it to the back of our car and we can take it home. But I was only teasing. I just love the idea that they're selling souvenir miniature balls. of twine. <laughs> Like what souvenir miniature like, balls, what and, a worthless, worthless, like souvenir to have. And I also noted, uh, it says here that the, uh, greetings from the twine ball. Wish you were here. Postcard. You can get now only after the song. They started to make those and sell them after he made this track. Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. It is mind-blowing. And heartbreaking. How many original scripts are written every year but are never made? So we seek out these scripts and bring them to life with full audio production and professional actors. Check us out at Undiscover Scripts. Movies made of paper. Wherever you get your podcasts. Free! Meanwhile, in New Jersey... So, Marissa, what talking points do you want to hit on in this week's episode? Well, Jackie, let's talk about how the film addresses the patriarchy... Ooh, and representation of marginalized people. Ooh, ooh, and even philosophical ramifications of good versus evil and horror. We can point out the triangle boobs, talk about the blood splatter, and oh, the practical effects. <sighs> um, and also the male gaze. My gaze at the males. hi From feminism to fangirling, the Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app. Matt, I have to ask you a question because you've seen way more of this beautiful world than I have. Just being in a band, traveling, have you actually seen the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota? I have not, but you know, 
and there's so much to talk about with this song, so I don't know how, how much time we can get into it, but I have been to a lot of amazing, like, I don't know if you have any real experience with these, but I love a great, like, roadside tourist trap. So I have been trying to see all 50 states. That has been, like, a, a goal of mine. Yes. I was doing really great, and then 2020 happened, and that really kind of stalled out my progress. And it's What happens hard in to... 2020? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but one of my rules was for it to count. For me mm -hmm. to have officially been able to say I was in that state, I had to have either, A, spent the night there, or B, seen at least three things there that I could not see anywhere else. That could be getting a special food that's only sure. available there. I like that. Going yeah, to good. a tourist attraction, whatever. Um, so when I was trying to do all of New England in a weekend, I mean, there were some highs. I went up to the top of Mount Washington. It was amazing. I recommend everybody take the steam train to the top of Mount Washington at Hell least yeah. once in their life. It's great. But I also saw the world's largest revolving globe. <laughs> hey, I went to Burlington, um, Vermont, and I saw the world's tallest filing cabinet. <laughs> That's why these are like the coolest so, things. So I'm right there with you. Uh, I mean, I, we could reference these in some other way, but I have never been to the ball. I would love to do it, obviously, even aside from being an Al fan. Or, you know, again, talking about these things, I'm sure a huge part of the reason why I'm drawn to these things is because of Al and because of these songs that have made them seem so charming and endearing. But um, you got to go to Wall Drug, which I think is in South Dakota. Um, that's an amazing, uh, ridiculous tourist stop that their big uh, selling point is uh, you get they have free water okay. with ice, free ice water. Okay. Cool. They also still do. I think you can get a cup of coffee there for a nickel, to to uh, imitate the old old days. It's great. Um, there's south of the border a arguably problematically Mexican themed <laughs> rest stop off 95. Um, also great. And the thing in it's either Arizona or West Texas. I think it's Arizona. The thing where all of the signs are like, what is the thing? The Simpsons uh, yes. parody that. Um, and that has been there for forever. And you pay one dollar and you get to see the thing. I'm not going to tell you what the thing is. You got to pay the dollar and you got to see it for yourself. <laughs> I highly That's recommend that next, you do. So my next two states, if I ever get back into this routine, because it is an expensive hobby. It to is just visit states. Yeah. Was that I used to what really helped was I would like uh, in 2019, I had built this plan in my head that mm -hmm. I go to San Diego Comic-Con every year. Why not make a road trip out of it and see a couple states? So in 2019, I flew in to Seattle, Washington, and then road tripped through Washington nice. and Oregon into California. Um, and then the plan for 2020, again, weird stuff happened, couldn't do it, <laughs> was to do Arizona, uh, New Mexico into Arizona into California. I believe that that's the right order. Yeah. Or is it the? I can never remember which comes first. But yes, mm. uh, and yeah, I was going either. to try to see the thing. Um, the was thing one, is great. The thing was is great. one of the goals. You got it. Uh, I. I uh, some people who are not as fun as me have <laughs> complained in the past, but I will never let us go past the thing without stopping for a dollar. Like you, you gotta got to. stop. I mean, yeah. look. If you don't like the thing, there's a there's a Dairy Queen attached. You can just hang out there for a few minutes. We'll, Perfect. We'll, we'll be right go. back. All right. So Bernie <laughs> finally comes back into the story in the next verse here. Uh, it's a quick verse. He says, we gave our camera to Bernie and we stood by the ball and we all gathered around and said, cheese. Then Bernie ran away with my brand new Instamatic, but at least we've got our memories. Uh, so Bernie hitchhiked, got to the ball of twine, stole their camera. <laughs> 
that's that's the. I know it's a shame because it's like, well, I mean, uh, he doesn't seem bothered by it. I mean, no. they even make a point uh, they, again. He, he Bernie ran away with my brand new Instamatic, but at least we got our memories. Uh, it was very nice of them to pick up Bernie. It's a shame that Bernie, you know, turned on them again. A very vacation style move to add to the song. But I did think I'm like, wow, that's real, real friendly of them. I believe that's a direct plot point from European Vacation. Exactly. Is- <laughs> yeah. And I was say Bernie also had to sit through all of those 99 bottles of beer on the wall. Yeah. Then he, you know, he certainly justified was put through a lot. Yeah. Holy cow. <laughs> so then we get into the next real verse. Uh, so we all stared at the ball for a while. Our eyes got moist. But I said with a smile, kids. This here is what America's all about. <laughs> then I started feeling kind of gooey inside. I fell to my knees and I cried and I cried. That's when those security guards threw us out. You know, I bet if we unraveled that sucker, it'd roll all the way down to Fargo, North Dakota, because it's the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. I'm talking about the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. So two two things here. I love the idea. It's obviously implied that security kicked him out for making a scene yeah (laughs) in front of the ball and i i love that idea but also just to keep it factually accurate it does note they arrived at 737 and apparently the site closes at eight o'clock according to the official documentation so maybe they just spent their time and it was like we're closing up guys you got imagine the idea the biggest ball of twine is closing for the night and there's a man just on his knees sobbing in front of it and security's like i'm sorry but you gotta go yeah, you can't. You can't. We're be done. Here, man. We're done for the day. <laughs> and then finally, uh, we end with this final verse. We stayed that night at the Twine Ball Inn. Yes, get ready. I need you to tell me if that really exists. Uh, in it, the, m- it, it's it's now closed, but it did exist. <laughs> <laughs> in the morning, we were on our way home again, but we really didn't want to leave. That was perfectly clear. I said, "Folks, I can tell you're all sad to go." And then I winked my eye and I said, you know, I got a funny feeling we'll be coming back again next year because I've been around this great big world and I can't think of anywhere else I'd rather go to than the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. I said the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota, 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 (laughs) Minnesota. (laughs) I mean, yeah, it's just this is so great and wholesome and you know it's funny like it's we talked last week about um and we said before about al's fondness so not only fondness for people this could not be a more lovingly told story about this family and also again just an american i mean it's very like for him super on the nose in terms of the commentary of just like the actual line saying kids this here is what america is all about um (laughs) like this is and I think he's in a way actually like not wrong. I yes. think that I think that we have I think it's a very American thing to have I you know, I might have said some version of this, like irrational pride <laughs> in yeah. certain things that there's no reason to feel so so proud of at all. And uh and that's what this is about. And not only are the people of this town proud of their twine ball so much so that they built a monument to it, but these people are just so honored to be standing in front of it. And uh, it's not a uh, as over the top and comedic as the old like journey of it is. It's really not that far fetched a story. I mean, I don't maybe people aren't getting pickled wieners and diet chocolate sodas along the way. But uh, it's it's you know, this is a real some family at some point did some version of this in total earnestness without ever having heard this song. Yeah. And that's amazing. 
One million percent. That is truly amazing. You ready to rank this bad boy? <laughs> almost, almost. I, we have to note that the people of Darwin, Minnesota, um, of course, absolutely love this song. They have a twine ball day. Uh, they have renamed a road in their town, Weird Alley. Um, do we need they, to take the show? If we do a live recording. I mean, if we ever, we, I, yeah. We need have to, to hit up Minnesota. We got to yeah. be there for twine day. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. We're going to have to be there for Twine Day. Um, there was also um, a great little Al anecdote where he told a story about how he was uh, on the street in Los Angeles many years ago. And this group of kids started following him from behind, like who could, looked kind of rough. And he was nervous that he was about to get jumped or something. And instead, they told him that um, their all time favorite song was the biggest ball of Twine in Minnesota. <laughs> and I uh, love he, that. Felt, he felt pretty good about that. Um, yeah, the. Uh, uh, I, I believe there's a little bit of mixed information here, but it does seem like this is still the biggest ball of twine ever rolled by a single person. Okay. They, there are other like kind of comparative like things like, yeah, lar largest ball of twine built by a community. There's one of those in, in Kansas. Um, the heaviest twine ball is somewhere else, but that's not about the, the size of the twine. It's the weight of the thing as opposed to the, the, uh, the structure. I don't know how all the rules works, but um, it it was uh, finished in 1979, so it had existed for 10 years when I wrote this song. Okay. And if it wasn't made clear already, it's still there. All right. You can still go. It's available. Um, and uh, despite having never been, I feel pretty confident that I can recommend that people go and check this out. I mean, if there's ever an Al pilgrimage, maybe Albuquerque. Although Albuquerque is not gonna, you're not. I don't think you're gonna hit the same number of references and markers and all the different like you can't you know what it is you can reenact the story to this song you can't reenact I was say, the story to can, albuquerque you can't reenact the story of albuquerque and also as we just learned with the except actually no even including you can hit every one of the tourist traps that he's mentioned you absolutely can in the song you can go to elvis arama mm -hmm. you can go to the mecca of the albino squirrel yes um, so and, that's and, pretty amazing. And there are, as I mentioned, uh, the old Weird Al Forum has loads and loads of stories of people who have gone to see the Twine Ball and taken photos and talked about them trying to recreate, retrace the steps to the best of their ability. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I just, this is so great. And it's so nice. Like, this is a real early, I mean, we'll, we'll, we can say this in conjunction with the rankings. Um, this feels to me like... I don't know. I mean, obviously he has had hits at this point, but in terms of his original songs and in terms of how beloved they are, with the exception of something like Dare to be Stupid, like this is a real moment in time for him. Like in terms of something that became like really culty, uh, a fan favorite over many, many years, like this is a, a big, it feels to me like a big marker of like a special, special song um, that his fans just totally understood the weird sense of humor uh, and story he was going for here. There's no reason for this to be so popular. You know what I no. mean? Like it, it, it's, it's way too long and way too convoluted. And the humor is not that um, it's I, not nearly as funny as spam is like out the gate. You know what I mean? It's, it's no, more subtle. I, it's, it's one of those, I think the best way to say it is, is honestly, I think the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota is truly where you start to uh, separate separate the casual fan from the diehard fan. That's a good way to put it. Because you I are think like, that's absolutely right. When you hit this song at this point in 
in Al's career, you either get what his actual true sense of humor is, or he's just that guy that rewrites songs to be about food. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's it's almost interesting that it's literally coming off of spam, which is exactly what the cliched version of Weird Al is. That he takes a popular song and makes it about food, and then you follow it up with an almost seven-minute-long, chaotic, insane story about a family driving five days straight with no sleep to see a giant ball of twine, and then theoretically pack up the car and drive right back home afterwards. There's a, you know, it's funny. I just, yeah, I, I absolutely, absolutely. And I just found this. I'm glad I found it because I almost forgot to say it. Someone did write based on a very serious analysis of the lyrics to this song, <laughs> theorized because they don't say where they start. And the theory this person says is. I was literally just going to ask you what would take three days to get to. They Minnesota. started in Bennington, Vermont and took the shorter but slower I-94 route, which according to Google Maps is a trip of 1,224 miles. Unless, say, the family lives three miles on the far side of the town, giving them a total trip length of 1227, that, uh, that famous number, okay. um, and will take 23 hours. But that's driving straight through. Travel with kids takes longer, especially this family, which really seems to like to stop along the way. And do we really think that a 1953 DeSoto is going to be able to maintain top interstate freeway speeds? Even at Google speeds, this, take will take three, this trip will take three days if they stop at night and drive seven to eight hours a day. But as for the, um, oh, yeah, the 50 miles from it, um, I guess that doesn't line up. But um, they note that maybe they crossed the state line and saw that sign shortly after passing through Minneapolis. So anyway, as of this person's theory, Bennington, Vermont might make sense based on the uh, the details of the trip. But I love Al's fans. I know, right? There's <laughs> there's so a much. really, uh, I mean, the, the, the extents people have gone to here to try again. That's the, people don't even want to go to the Twine Ball. They want to go to the starting place of this story and drive the route the same way. I mean, that is talk about commitment. That's that's impressive. Gotta love that. All right. Yeah. So now you must rank this amongst all of these other originals. Um, I, I think I've roughly figured out my spot, but I'm curious if you've got yours first. I don't have it quite yet, but I'm very close. Okay. Well then but, I'll jump in first. Mine yes. did crack the top ten. Um I obviously don't think that this song is better than UHF still. I think UHF, the title track of the album UHF, is the highlight of this album still. But Biggest Ball of Twine in Minnesota is definitely also a highlight. Um, So I put it in between One More Minute and The Checks in the Mail, which puts it at nine on my... uh, originals list nine on your originals okay and i am actually going to rank this a little bit higher i am putting this at number seven okay in between dog eat dog and i'll be mellow when i'm dead um i think as i said earlier to me this feels like a really significant track for al um i think it's even made more significant and i'm especially because now we have to rank UHF the album. Yes. I think the fact that this song is so beloved and so popular while being on one of, if not his single least heard records says a great deal. Yeah. Right. Like, like I, you know what, even better. Cause you mentioned uh, last week, you know, spam was something you heard on the food album. I didn't hear UHF for a really long time, but I know this song and I don't know why. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't yeah. know how anyone ever showed me this. And I should have checked this out. Like, 
is this on, did this make it on permanent record or like one of Al's uh, compilations? I think it did. Let me check. It's on the permanent record Al in the Box collection that came out in 1994 and that I had. So that makes sense. That would have been what it was from that record. Oh, interesting. Okay. So in terms of features on that box set, we have talked about maybe discussing box sets on the show, but um, the single version of UHF, which is shorter than the album version, is on that. Um, Money for Nothing slash Beverly Hillies, Beverly Hillbillies asterisk is on that. Um, Biggest Ball of Twine is on that. Spam is on that. And Generic Blues. Okay. So pretty much the only ones that we know that he's played live in some way off of this album. That's correct. Yeah. Made yeah, it yeah. on there. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So the fact that this song has survived and, and, and um, made such an impact despite being on one of the biggest flops of his career. I think that that says a lot. And I feel like, as you pointed out at the beginning, he found something in this formula in terms of how he likes to end his records that he stuck with for a very long time uh, and kept keep going back to arguably we're going to get there later. Maybe he maybe he improves on this formula. Maybe he does better work with this uh, like long storytelling style as we go down the road. But um God, this is just such a great song. I, one of the vanity shows I saw, he opened with this. Oh, Jesus. What? The joy that I felt. <laughs> All right, so you did hint to it. We've got to rank this album. And it feels really shitty coming off of a song that we have praised so heavily for the last 48 minutes. And last week, we threw a lot of praise at Spam, but I'm putting UHF, the original soundtrack, and other stuff at the bottom of my Owl albums rankings. I honestly think that this is maybe a four to five song EP that I enjoy, and then the rest is just, it's weird, man. Like, like she drives like crazy, aisle thing, the Gandhi 2 sketch that really <laughs> needs the visual component to fully work. Yeah. Um, there's just a lot of there's a lot of things that that miss here. Currently at the bottom of my list is Peter and the Wolf slash Carnival of Animals Part Two. I I just think that there's so much more interesting stuff happening on that album than on UHF. Keep in mind, I'm putting this at the bottom of my list while simultaneously the title track is my number one Owl original right now. So it is, I still think this is an album that people should check out. I think that it's a pity that this is one of the more underperforming albums because there are some great songs in there, specifically Generic Blues. I think Generic Blues is kind of the dark horse mm-hmm. track on this album, but um, that's currently living at my bottom. I am, here's the thing. I said this about Peter and the Wolf, and I might have even said it about this earlier, but there's something that I'm I'm so drawn to in when Al does the weird the weirdest things that he does. Yes. This is an incredibly strange record and I truly don't know and in all of my research I couldn't figure out how much of this is weird accidentally or weird due to weird like movie related licensing issues like trying to get music crammed together. I actually do think your theory is correct, most likely correct that uh Scotty Brothers were like we need a soundtrack for your movie. You're the you're a musician. Like how do we not take advantage of a soundtrack? And the movie that Al wrote just did not have that much music in it. Yeah. And so it was a scramble at the end to fill this out. And in in filling it out, they also wound up doing some strange 
they threw in this these sketches. Um, I don't personally mind, you know, like Gandhi 2 being on this. I don't mind Spatula City being on this. I, like or even, or, I almost or, think that I wish that there was more sketches. Yeah, no, I, I actually do too. I feel like if the biggest problem it has is that it's kind of, it's not, it needs to make up its mind, whether it's one thing or the other, and it kind of doesn't. And as you pointed out, it could have been a very short, the music from UHF and then follow that with a EP of these extra songs. Um, I mean, I love, I'm just looking at the track listing. Like in, I think attack of the radioactive hamsters, I think is super, super fun. Um, UHF, we could not have praised anymore. Spam is great. Biggest ball of twine is great. I like, she drives like crazy against all odds. Um, <laughs> and, to me, the biggest miss on this record is probably Isle Thing. Isle Thing's a huge swing in it. Which miss. just does like, not do it for me. Um, I just don't think it's that. Um, that's definitely one of Al's worst. That's that's a very weak yeah. parody, I think. Um, and all of this is to say, and I think I'm just a sucker for, I'm ultimately a sucker for these bold swings. And I do think... I'm, I, again, I'm debating whether or not is this a big, bold swing from him musically or is this a hobbled together thing that <laughs> feels really weird because it is. I am going to put it I'm going to put it above Peter and the Wolf. Oh, wow. OK, so I'm going to put it j just below the first record and just above Peter and the Wolf. Polka Party is still my lowest point. And to be totally honest with you, I was actually pondering whether or not I wanted to put this above the self-titled record. Not really? even a matter of dropping it lower, yes. And and because the self-titled record for me is also kind of hit and miss. I think it's more profound, and I think it's also just a more enjoyable listening experience. I have a real soft spot for UHF. I know a lot of people say that they think this is the weakest album he ever made. I don't feel that way. I, mean, I obviously don't feel that way because yeah. I just ranked it higher. But <laughs> um, I think that there's something to be said in seeing him do something so different and yeah. this is so different and in a way I, I as we mentioned before on the sketches like i part of me wishes that throughout his career we had more moments like that uh on his records because i actually do find them like refreshing and fun and it the whole album just hits different than everything else he has yeah i mean i mean i'm interested to see there's at least two maybe even three more albums from al coming up that i could see falling below UHF for me. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I don't know. I don't, they're, they're, they're more, all three of the albums that I'm thinking of in my head are more so just, I haven't really revisited them with the consistency that I've revisited sure. something like, you know, off the deep end, bad hair day, running with scissors are like albums that I grew up with and yeah. that I have like never stopped revisiting, but there are, some some albums that honestly just like in the early 2000s Poodle Hat and Straight Out of Linwood weren't pushed that hard. No. Like it was really Alpocalypse. I think Alpocalypse was truly the album where everybody just got back on board and was like Al's fucking great, we need to respect that. Like it, it was definitely yeah, like I, that that album was uh Alpocalypse. I mean, was definitely promoted as a like this guy's back. Yeah, which is just smart marketing, I think, at that point. Like, yeah, but I think um, that, that caused like 
I'm sure when we get to the Poodle Hat and Straight Out Limwood, like I'm thinking of songs that are on it that I'm like, oh, that song's really good. Like I think it's just albums that I've forgotten how many songs I like are on it. But mm-hmm. right now it's like, I don't know. I could be wrong also. Yeah. I could listen to those and be like, wow, there's more misses on this than I remembered as well. Like, <laughs> Yeah, so, it's entirely possible. So but I, I mean, that's the fun yeah. of doing this. I'm li- I like that this, is, this podcast has really given me an excuse to – to not just revisit the albums I have loved, but revisit the albums that I have just had collecting dust on the shelf for years. Totally, so. totally, totally. And I mean, again, to be like, yeah, UHF, weird mixed bag of a record, but uh, I can't deny, like, the song UHF and Biggest Ball of Twine, those two alone. Yeah. No, they two, have a lot of power. Too good. Those, yeah, yeah. Like the, those are two aces for sure. Yeah. Next week, we're going to have to do a mailbag. We got to know what your guys' thoughts were Ooh. on UHF. Send us those hot takes. Spoiler alert, if you're listening to this episode, we've probably already recorded that mailbag. But you can still send us a slightly late hot take. Maybe uh, we for- can try. I, I I would like to try. We can we'll see if we can try to record it in that in that window there. I want to give people a shot to uh true, to get their true. messages in. We'll we'll try. We'll try. We'll see. We'll see. Worst case scenario, you hear it on the next mailbag when we there do uh, off the deep end. There you we go. We will not you will not be silenced by us. We will make sure that your opinions oh, you, are we're, heard. We're here to elevate. We're here to <laughs> lift your voices up to the public. That's right. that's what we're doing This here. podcast Thank is about guys. elevate and celebrate, baby. So uh, stay tuned for even more Weird Algorithm. Do you like to laugh? geek out on music and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. It is mind-blowing. And heartbreaking. How many original scripts are written every year but are never made? So we seek out these scripts and bring them to life with full audio production and professional actors. Check us out at Undiscover Scripts. Movies made of paper. Wherever you get your podcasts. Free! You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 